This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Wednesday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Lee Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means, part two of the 2023 depth chart preview. Well, I mean, it, the thing about it is the depth charts no longer exist for Ohio State, so the depth charts really all year only exist in the mind of Nathan Baird, who puts one together every week based on our eyeballs and our knowledge. And so if you're putting one together right now, Nathan, then that's the official depth chart because Ohio State doesn't do depth charts anymore. It still boggles my mind. When Jim Harbaugh stopped doing depth charts, it was like he had ripped out the soul of college football. Then like the next year, Ohio State was like, I'm not doing it either. It's like, oh, what are you going to do? So I, I still want to do a survey sometime of who doesn't do depth charts because I just think it's silly. So we're doing it here. Last podcast on Tuesday, we went through the projected depth chart for the Buckeyes this fall on the offensive side of the ball. We're going to do it on the defensive side of the ball today, and we will continue to reference the podcast from early July 2021 when we asked the question and perhaps gave the answer. Will Ohio State in 2023 be one of the greatest teams in college football history? Very yes, possibly. And I was listening back to the defensive part of that podcast. And I was reminded, gentlemen, of what I think is probably maybe the most underrated Bill Murray movie. It's called Quick Change, and Bill Murray robs a bank dressed as a clown. I don't think that gives anything away. So there are parts. It is probably the the, the movie in our home with the most lines that we say. But one of them, I said out loud to myself after listening to the defensive side of the ball depth chart projection from July 2021, Nathan. And one of those lines is, they rob the bank and then things go a little bit haywire and Bill Murray says, this was not the plan. So I listened to what we thought the defense in 2023 was going to be and what we now think the defense in 2023 is going to be. And it does not match up, Nathan. Are you surprised to hear that? Or are you like, no, 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 I didn't know. That's I get it. No, I, I, and I didn't listen back yet, but we were talking about this before the pod. And I was like, Oh, did steel chambers, name come up a guy who we thought was still running back in July, 2021 and still was actually, I think a running back technically in early July of 2021 before he became 
what he is now, which is the returning starter at, at Will Linebacker for a team that wants to win a national championship. And, um, you know, this is the one where, I mean, in similar to our conversation about the offensive line, and again, I haven't looked back. I'm going to be curious to know what we laid out for the corners and the whole secondary in t- July of 2021 because we probably weren't anticipating some things that didn't work out. But we also we also didn't anticipate Jim Knowles being the defensive coordinator. Like some that's the other thing that has changed here is this is not we were we were picking a lineup for a defense that didn't exist uh, to some extent. There've been it's only small wrinkles but I think the stamp that Jim Knowles put on this last year and the way he used some personnel last year is definitely going to influence how we're looking at this now as opposed to how we, we looked at it in July of 2021. Yeah, I mean, there's we're having conversations about picking one safety to be on the field in July 2021, where there's a lot of bullet talk. There's a lot of bullet talk. Uh, and there was a lot of talk about a particular guy that – there are some quotes that I pulled out from what we said back then, but let's start on the defensive line. When we think about projecting this defense for 2023 and Steven, we'll start with the guys that we started with back then. And they were two guys who were the second and third highest defensive recruits in the class of 2021 JT Tui and Jack Sawyer. Only Corey Foreman was a higher rated defensive player in that class. And Stephen, we said things are maybe I'm going to we a lot when maybe it's I. But listen, we're all in this together. And who's who's going to go back and listen and say like, oh, who said that ridiculous thing? We as a podcast said ridiculous things. I think someone, perhaps me, said they could be the two best defensive players in college football by 2023. JT2, Molo and Jack Sawyer, because that's where they were as recruits at that level. And so we also were talking about as we got to other positions, well, do they have depth here? What do they have here? The the backups we were talking about at defensive end in July of 2021 were Jacoby Cowan and Darian Henry Young, and also like somebody who shows up in a later recruiting class. So those are two guys that are already gone. But the thing we said, Stephen, is we expect JT and Jack Sawyer to play 90% of the snaps at defensive end in 2023 and, and, and do so as dominating forces. So they're here. They've played. We think they will continue to play a lot, but I'm not sure they are at this point in their careers, the players that we thought they might be at least the way we were talking about back then. Because I don't know that anybody in the country necessarily thinks that, especially Jack Sawyer, who just has not didn't play as much this year. People aren't saying, oh, Ohio State has two of the five best, two of the three best defensive players in the country heading into the season. That's not where we are. We set a very high bar, so we're not saying guys are disappointing. But one thing I want to make very clear here. When we did this podcast in July of 2021, could this be a college football powerhouse, one of the great teams in college football history? It was Quinn Ewers influenced, also the skill guys on offense. But having listened back to this, Stephen, there was a lot that we were putting on the defense because we thought potentially they're going to line up 11 guys on defense who were all top 50 national recruits. But we put a lot on JT and Jack Sawyer. And now that we're actually here, 
What do we think of those two guys heading into their junior seasons? Well, I'm going to tackle this in parts. The 90% of the snaps part is probably going to happen. You still, you're probably sprinkling some Caden Curry and, you know, somebody, but especially Caden Curry is probably going to be the third guy there. But I would not be shocked if 90% of the meaningful snaps go to these two guys. Um, so that we're not that far off with those guys. I think JT is headed in that direction. I mean, that Penn State game was whoa and it feels like he said now can he start getting home more that's the real question there while with Jack it might be a sentiment of just that dude had to start learning a whole new position last year that he may or may not be best fit to play he might just be best at go get the quarterback which is fine as long as you're also being able to stop the run but that Jack position I feel like he might have thrown off his development a little bit as a traditional defensive end but at the same time uh, Doug, you would know this better than I do because you do a national podcast as well. I don't know who the best returning defensive player is in the country, just off the top of my head. So the, these guys are going to play a lot of football. And if yeah. you tell if you tell me in November that JT is the best defensive player in the country and Jack Sawyer is an all Big Ten level defensive end and borderline All-American, I'm not going to bat an eye at it if you say that right now just because there are a lot of really good defensive players who are draft eligible and they win. Yeah, Dallas Turner in Alabama is probably a guy who maybe was slightly yeah. lower rated than these two Ohio State guys, but might be thought of a little bit higher right the now. The top, the, the top five defensive players from that 21 class, Corey Foreman, JT Tuimaloao, Jack Sawyer, um, Dallas Turner right there, and then yeah. Leonard Taylor at Miami closes out that list. So right now, Dallas T- Turner is probably the closest thing to living up to that top 10 player in the country status because Corey Foreman hasn't been – you know, he hasn't been blowing yeah. things off the, the map at USC right now. So, uh, like, one of the things, like I said, Nathan, you you had said some 2022 guy in the depth chart at defensive end, and, like, Caden Curry fits that. Yeah. Kenyatta Jackson might fix that. There are a couple guys who might fit, th- fit that. But the way we were thinking, when we are doing something outrageous, like how good this team might be, we're not thinking that Jack Sawyer and JT Tuimolawa are going to be good. We're thinking they're going to be the next Chase Young and Joey Bosa and Nick Bosa and Tyquan Lewis and Sam Hubbard and all those things. And again, this is nobody is saying that they are not living up to expectations. But JT has the Penn State game. And then I think there's a lot of he's effective. You got to double team him. He's getting some pressures, right? I'm not, but. That's like the one game that he sort of blew up. And even in that, you know, some of them are tip balls up the line. He certainly had the one strip sack, but it's it's not Chase Young level. And we can't hold everybody to that. But I will tell you, Nathan, in July 2021, that's kind of how we were talking. So if we're talking about what the peak of a 2023 Ohio State team could be, in July of 2021, we were talking about it like, Two All-American defensive ends, and what a place to start. And so if this team in 2023 is going to maximize what it can be, and this might be the best team in college football in 2023. It very well might be. It still kind of has to, maybe not start there, because it probably starts with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka. But those guys have to be great. Defensively, it might have to start there, right, with the defensive ends? I think it does. Yeah, I think that's the difference maker because we've already seen that Ohio State putting up a lot of passing and receiving yards does not necessarily equate a national championship. We saw it in 2020. We saw it in 2021 for a team that couldn't even get to the playoff. We saw it last season for a team that's right there. I mean, that that 
that's the one that's that's maybe almost unfair, but it came with progress on defense, not a not a seismic shift, but progress on defense. And it's not fair to compare people to Chase Young, a generational player necessarily. But I, we know what we're talking about here. You felt JT Tuomaloao in that Penn State game in a way that we had not felt an Ohio State edge rusher since Chase Young. Like you, you felt it like all the way through. And Ohio State has, I would say, pretty consistently since Chase Young left, had defensive ends that opposing fan bases and or coaches respect. Like you respected Jonathan Cooper. He came out and played really hard and was productive for his level. And Zach Harrison, a guy that you would come out and was a all Big Ten kind of player. And I think you respected what he did on a football field, but you didn't fear those guys. Like there needs to be a new a renewed element of fear from that defensive end from the edge rushers at Ohio State. And I don't think that means that literally the other team is like quaking in its boots. It's more about the feel that you get. Like when those guys are on a football field, do you feel them? And there were too many times this past season where both Tuimaloau and Sawyer were, I think, productive, but the, the Ohio State needs that next level. I don't think that's asking them to do something otherworldly. I don't think it's asking them to do something that's outside of their abilities or what you know is is the ceiling of their abilities. It's, again, just how we compare Ohio State to itself. When Ohio State has been a national championship caliber team and a, you know, a, a great team, uh, it often has those guys coming off the edge, and we're just asking. You know, that's I think it, it's reasonable for people to expect that to happen again. But this group this year is is a really interesting one because it's those two guys at the top. And as we'll talk about, then three guys from last year's class that all have some upside. And it's just a matter of how that rotation works itself out. Does somebody like a Caden Curry, Omari Abor, Kenyatta Jackson, who like forces their way into the conversation more? They lost Zach Harrison out of that group. But and they lost Javante. Jean-Baptiste, who transferred to Notre Dame, which will be interesting. Will they be better at defensive end in 2023 than in 2022? Or will they miss Zach Harrison? Or do you think, like, if, we get, if we're getting peak JT and Jack, peak of them, and then here come those three second-year guys, could this be a somewhat significant step up from what was, a, I think, a, in the end, a pretty solid, sometimes better than solid, defensive end group in 2022 Stephen, is that is that is that the expectation is that the possibility I think it's possible because even with what Zach did this past season I don't know if he surpassed expectations for what he is as a he's a very good football player and that's what he was this year a very good football player JT took the leap in year two even if it wasn't oh I'm gonna go get eight and a half sacks he did enough stuff there to show okay he's headed in the right direction here so now it's just a matter of can Jack do the same if they let him just be a defensive end and so you have some promise there while also seeing enough of a flash from Caden Curry to believe that maybe he's headed on a trajectory as well now we just have to see what Kenyatta and Amari because Abor spent the year hurt and we just didn't see a lot from Jackson what do you think Nathan do you is better like excellent is like excellent defensive end play. Very realistic in your mind. I think it's realistic, sure, but I, I think it 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 isn't the assumption. Like kind of like what Steven's saying. Like I think both these guys still have to take that next step. And now Sawyer is an interesting case because he was asked to do something last year that was a change for him. The the time that he spent playing the Jack, and that wasn't a 
staple of the defense in a way that we thought it might be. It wasn't like every series, every other series. It was more of a niche thing within this defense. So I'm curious, does he do that more in 2023? Does he play more of a conventional edge rusher and still do Jack stuff? Do they use Caden Curry as the Jack and let Jack Sawyer be more of the conventional edge rusher? Like what is that? How does that part of the defense grow or does it grow? Uh, There are still some unknowns there because there's a reason Jim Knowles used Sawyer there and wanted him on the field in that role. But it was also within the balance as we talked about a lot going into that year. Well, how are they going to get all three of these guys involved as much as possible with Harrison included? And now Harrison's taken out of the mix and you seem to, as much as Caden Curry flashed some good things last year, there clearly seems to be a top two here. So, are you worried more about just getting those top two on the field as much as possible? And does that mean you pull back on the, the Jack usage? Uh, or did you see enough of a foundation from that? If you're Jim Knowles, that you want to go into it, kind of take it to the next level. Cause that's what he's been talking about this whole time was that it was sort of a position in development and something that could grow in terms of the responsibilities that they give Jack Sawyer and how productive he could be with it. Just as an example. I'm looking in on PFF at the edge rushers who had the most pressures in this last season. Will Anderson, as an edge rusher for Alabama, he was second in the nation with 59 pressures among edge guys. He had played 652 snaps. Tuli Tui Pelotu from USC, who was an All-American. He had 49 pressures. He played 621 snaps. K.J. Henry had the most uh, pressures for Clemson. He played 561 snaps. When you look at the Ohio State guys, Zach Harrison had the most pressures among edge guys. He had 31. J.T. had 30. But Zach Harrison played 435 snaps. J.T. played 453. So they each played 200 fewer snaps individually than Will Anderson did. So then they had, you know, whatever, 30 fewer pressures or 28 fewer pressures. But if we're talking about, could you play them more? Could you play JT and Jack more? Well, like we're talking about these all American guys who basically didn't come off the field. Will Anderson wasn't in a rotation, right? They didn't. So I think the three man rotation made a lot of sense for what they did this year. But if we're asking, could it be a heavy dose of JT and Jack as your two best guys in 2023 and what would that mean from an individual production standpoint which is nice but what it really means is how much better might it make your defense steven jim Knowles says he likes to play now larry johnson is in charge of the defensive line and he likes to rotate jim Knowles is in charge of everybody else and he says he kind of likes to go with his main guys i'll be curious how that works out but steven it's not like edge rushers only play 450 snaps a year these guys could play 650 and maybe they should I just looked at Chase Young's, and mind you, this is also why he missed two games. So you take that into account. He played 576, so he would have been well over 600, maybe even over 650 in 2019 when he had 16 and a half sacks. So that that's part of the – with the Will Henderson and stuff and all those other guys you just named is, yeah, they get the numbers, but they're also on the field long enough to get the numbers. Like sacks are – you got to play a lot of – you accumulate a lot of snaps if you're going to get that many sacks. And I'm not saying that – if you play JT 600 snaps, he's going to have 18 sacks next year. But you want a 10-sack guy, get put him in the best position and get 10 sacks. And that means keep him on the field. And it does feel like this, just like in 2019, where there was kind of Chase Young, 
a really, really young Zach Harrison, a Tyreek Smith who couldn't stay healthy, and then basically a lot of, but even then unproven, it was Chase Young as like ready to go and a lot of young guys who hadn't proven themselves. So Chase, you're not coming off the field and everybody else rotates. Well, now you've got two of those guys, potentially. So and it, where it's set up in a way where they're juniors, nobody else is proven. You don't necessarily have to take JT and Jack off the field. Just among power five edge rushers last year, more than 65 guys played at least 500 snaps. So mm-hmm. that's normal. And, and no Ohio State guys played more than 450. Mm-hmm. So, so it's putting a lot on them. They've been good football players, at times great football players. If Ohio State's going to be a great team, they probably need the defensive ends to be great almost all the time. So that's what we projected about that. And that's the thing that we were the most correct about was, was the anticipating a lot from JT and Jack in 2023. Anybody could have done that. Defensive tackle, I will say, we ended up, like in our defensive line conversations, Nathan, we ended up saying, okay, like Mike Hall, him, actually kind of lump him in with Jack and JT, that they should have three sure things by 2023. And I'm not sure we would have moved off that by now. We then talked a lot about Ty Hamilton. As the second defensive tackle in 2023, we talked about Tyleek Williams. We also mentioned some Jade McKenzie. But my call, Ty Hamilton, Tyleek Williams, pretty good. And, like, I think pretty good. How, what's your defensive tackle depth chart right now as it stands in the actual year of 2023? And what do you think of it? So I had as a starters Mike Hall and Ty Hamilton. Now, Ty Hamilton was starting over Mike Hall down the stretch last year. How much of that was the injuries, the shoulder stuff that Mike Hall was dealing with? How much was it the coaching staff just deciding that Hamilton was the guy that needed to start as an all-around player? I don't know that that's ever completely been sussed out. And they obviously also had Teron Vincent, who is gone. So you're filling one starting spot among those two defensive tackles. So those are the two I had in as starters. And then with Tyleek Williams and um, Hero Canoe, as the backup guys, Hero Canoe, I, I elevated maybe over whoever else could be in that rotation just because I'm he's just huge. Um, I've seen him a couple times just walking around, and he's just a mountain of a guy. And those guys always intrigue you. And, and, and Ohio State has now a handful of these guys who are, um, you know, they do a good job penetrating. I mean, that's, that's Mike Hall's calling card. That's Tyreek Williams' calling card, getting in the backfield. So they could probably use maybe just a big – mountain of a guy to, to balance that out a little bit so in the end like got what they need steven you think they got what they needed defensive tackle to be really good in 2023 yeah i like the progression that if ty hamilton's always actually probably a year ahead of his brother davon was and he's always kind of been moving along maybe 12 months earlier than davon was able to get onto the field and then i mean if they're gonna let mike hall actually play i mean we just had this conversation with the defensive ends but let's have it with mike hall if they're gonna let that guy actually play snaps then maybe he can be more disruptive and maybe we see the numbers and talik williams seems to be in better shape and he made some big plays especially in that penn state game he made some plays in that game and so i i think those three are clearly your top three is hero canoe be Tommy Togi-ish because he is huge and he is all types of strong. Can he be that as a year two guy? Just like Tommy Togi, I was like in that rotation in 2019 as a year two guy. Can he be that that type of nose tackle for Ohio State? That's a pretty quality quartet. And then, I mean, I know he likes to go six deep. Larry Johnson does in there. So maybe Jaden McKenzie as a 
now fifth year guy gets into that rotation and there's spot for one more guy. But that top four seems pretty, especially that top three seems pretty solidified at this point. So when, when we were talking about this and projecting it, we really were, as you do always, you're really leaning on the third year guys, right? That's why you do something like this. We were, everybody was excited about Ohio state's 2021 recruiting class. So then you say, Hey, how they get, how good they got to be when all these guys are third year guys. But when we were talking about it, it was like, okay, there's going to be some like electric third-year guys offensively. But there are, on defense, there's going to be third-year guys, but there's going to be some fourth-year guys that they need to kind of hang around and be important. And they maybe need to fill in with some 2022 guys. I do think, Nathan, and, and you've mentioned a couple of these guys, but you think about Hero Canoe, Caden Curry, Amari Abor, and Kenyatta Jackson. Those are four guys who are going to be second-year guys on this defensive line in 2023 who were all in the top 129 overall players in their group. So when we, if we're talking about Sawyer, JT, Hall, and Hamilton, and Tyleek Williams off the top, and then, all right, here's some second-year guys who you can rotate. This, this feels like it really – there's a top end to this defensive line, but there's some talented depth to this too that it, it feels like there is reason – from a variety of angles to feel good about where the Buckeyes are here. Yeah. Again, comparing it to the conversation we had about the offensive line, it's not where you're asking a bunch of developmental guys to make a big jump and maybe play far above their expectations. Like when you're signing guys in that like 125, 150 range, maybe you're not looking at those guys as being immediate, immediate impact. And maybe you're not looking at those guys as a superstar ceiling, but that's, you're, you're recruiting starters from that range. Like those are all guys who you think are going to start for you someday, I think. And it's a natural progression of a career for, for guys like that and be really good players and be potential NFL players at the end of, uh, you know, four years later. And so this defensive line, uh, I know there's a lot of talk out there about, you know, the direction Larry Johnson's going in and coming up on the end for him, which is the conversation that's been going on since I think before I got here and we're going into my what fifth season covering this team. But, he, they've set things up pretty well from just a baseline of talent for this next season. And then there's a, maybe a, a question because this is actually a pretty big bridge season, especially for that defensive end group. I know we've kind of jumped ahead to talking to the tack about the tackles, but if to him, and Sawyer, like back in 2021, we were certainly talking about those guys as being ready to play their third and final year for Ohio state in 2023. So if those guys move on, now you've got Curry Jackson and Abor. Now they're, it's huge, like what they have to be in 2024. And you start talking about Mike, Mike Hall's going into his third year, like, and, and Ty Hamilton going in his fourth year. And like, so now you start peeling potentially starters out of this group. So I think it's both kind of a, a, a potential boom year for this defensive line, but what's going on underneath it, the development that's happening underneath it. And it's, it's probably critical that you see someone, even though, yes, it makes perfect sense that that uh, Tumaloa and Sawyer play a ton of snaps. I think it might be kind of crucial that somebody from those other three, and we think it probably would be Caden Curry from what he showed last year, but somebody from that group maybe steps up and is like, no, like I, you guys have to put me on the field. Like I'm demanding it with my play because that guy's going to have to be huge in 2024. And I don't think you want to wait till 2024 to find out he's got. Okay. That discussion made sense. It was players <laughs> that we've heard of playing positions <laughs> that still exist. <laughs> Which is not necessarily how the rest of this podcast is going to go. We'll start talking about the B word after this on Buckeye Talk. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. We're back. If you want to be a tech subscriber, 614-350-3315. So we haven't talked about the bullet in a while, but man, we'll be talking about a lot in July of 2021. These were the three names that we were talking about at the bullet that year, this hybrid safety linebacker spot. Craig Young, and there was some Craig Young juice here for a while. (laughs) Ronnie Hickman, who turned out to be Ronnie Hickman. Nobody was wrong about the impact of Ronnie Hickman. It just wasn't at the, quote, bullet position. It was his first year. No, his first year. He was the the bullet. The 2021, he was the bullet for 2021. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He still had a bullet in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. So... So Craig Young, Ronnie Hickman, Court Williams. And then thinking about this year, this again, we were talking about, okay, you're going to have all these third-year guys, but especially defensively, we're saying they've got to have some fourth-year guys stick around and sort of do this. And I said fourth-year Court Williams should be the leader of the team. That that's, I mean, my Court Williams bus driving. I was driving Court Williams when it was a tricycle. So here we are. To be fair, he is a captain. He he is. He is. He is. He's a non-playing captain who might get healthy and set the world on fire. So I'm still, I very well tuned back in in August to see if I'm driving the bus for Court Williams for the fourth consecutive year, or whenever it is we do that podcast. So let's talk about, let's lump these guys in now. It's like a different conversation. We were talking about a bullet. Two linebackers, one safety, and three corners. And now it's like we're – it's the same kind of thing, but it's like I'm trying to piece the discussion together. Let's talk about safety. And as we know, Nathan, that now means two deep safeties, the adjuster and the bandit, and then that slot nickel corner uh, cover safety kind of position that Tanner McAllister played this year. So, like, back then – I'm trying to even think. So we were talking about like Craig Young, Ronnie Hickman, or Court Williams for one spot. When we actually talked about safety, we just talked about like that deep free safety. It was Jansen Dunn was the guy. And then we tweaked that. And then that slot corner cover safety, it was Lathan Ransom or Cam Martinez were where we were in 2021. And I will say, Nathan, we we started with Jansen Dunn as a free safety. And by the end, we had decided no it's probably going to be either Zion Branch or Xavier Wampa mm-hmm. as a recruit mm-hmm. who is not yet here. And, and neither not- of those things turned out to be true, mm-hmm. but instead it's Sonny Styles. 
yeah. Sonny Styles reclassified and became that guy. So we were mm-hmm. looking for a guy in the 2022 recruiting class who we thought was going to have to be a starting safety in 2023. And I think that's where we are now. We had Lathan Ransom in that mix. We're still there with that. So it was a confusing time with confusing names and lots of things in and out. Where are you right now with how you're projecting these safeties? Yeah, and it was still three or four months away from the conversation that Sonny Styles' parents had with Ryan Day that would have reclassified him. So if we had known that at the time, if we had thought, if we had known he was a 2022 player, that probably is maybe who we would have been talking about at that point. Although Ohio State was very much in the mix for, for those other two guys. But the, so the way I laid it out, uh, starters would be at nickel safety, Jihad Carter, the transfer that they just got from Syracuse with Cam Martinez backing him up. At Bandit would be Sonny Styles with Court Williams backing him up. And then at Adjuster, Lathan Ransom with Kai Stokes backing him up. But I think some of those may may still be interchangeable. Like Sonny Styles and Perry Alano both told me that he's playing all three positions, but I think everyone thinks Bandit is physically maybe what makes the most sense for him. Ransom obviously was the Bandit last year. We've made this assumption that he moves to Adjuster to take Ronnie Hickman's place. But there's other options there, depending on how things shake out. Um, and and Carter didn't really necessarily play this specific role in Syracuse's defense, which was a very different defense. It was a um, three three five, so you're playing three safeties over the top a lot of times. But it's if you're like sort of transposing it, it's maybe the one the place that makes the most sense. And they obviously have an absence there with Tanner McAllister leaving. So those are the three guys that I think are still most likely to end up as the starters. Uh, but I think there could be some interesting battles in the spring. I don't know that it's 100% set in stone right now. Are those your starters right now, Steven? Yeah, but Sonny Styles is a freak, and he can literally play anywhere in those safety spots because he's got the speed and the coverage ability to play cover speed safety. I mean, he's a playmaker, so there's Bandit, and he's got the length. and every, I mean, he's just a different type of athlete for them. Um, so because of that, plus Lathan Ransom's experience and showing us that he can't play bandit. I don't know if the conversation with Jihad Carter was you're coming here to automatically have a starting spot the same way we've seen with other transfers to come to Ohio State, or if it was closer to like the thing they're doing with the offensive lineman where it's like, come compete. So because of that, I won't be shocked if Sonny Styles is at, is at nickel, uh, the cover safety spot, Lathan Ransom stays at bandit, and then Kai Stokes is your starting adjuster because those are your three best safeties. Because Kai Stokes is a guy that everybody's had their eye on for a while. Nathan, yeah. this Jihad, the Jihad Carter transfer, do you think it was necessary for Ohio State to bring in a guy like that, or do you think it's more like a nice bonus? Well, when you look at it, I think from a depth standpoint, I think it was maybe kind of significant, only because you know they got a look at Cam Martinez last year. I don't know that he really rose to the occasion yet. I think that's fair to say. So I don't think it means he's out of the mix of anything. It just means it, it's it, it's up to him to kind of take it at this point. It's It's been there for a while for him. And now, you know, go ahead and, and, and come claim it, I guess, if, if you're going to. Um, and same with Court Williams, although he was hurt all of last year, but hadn't really forced his way onto the field before that. So I, I it. I don't think you can, again, you, you look at the way that the season ended for this team. I don't think you look at that secondary and say there was any position where they couldn't afford to add somebody. 
And, you know, Sonny Styles had a promising freshman year, and we think he's going to be – we have a high high degree of – a reasonable degree of certainty. He's going to be very good as soon as this fall, but hasn't done it yet. I mean, I think the more guys that you fit into that mix is is probably a good thing. And the, the difference between Jihad Carter and Vic Cutler, the guy they got on the offensive line, was Cutler was starting for a bad team at a lower level. I mean, it was a 4-8 and eight Louisiana Monroe team. So Trent, moving from there – starting at that level to only competing for a job at Ohio State um, when you're maybe not destined for pro football anyway. Like, that's very different than if you're Jihad Carter, you're starting for a, a Syracuse team that was 5-0 and at one point last year and, and ended up, I think, 7-5. and five. I can't remember if they won their bowl game or not. But, like, he's starting for a real team at a, at a Power 5 level to give that up just to come compete. I think they, there may have been a little bit more assurance than that. Not that somebody couldn't beat him out. But I, I, th- I look at them a little bit differently. I, I, I think they look at him and see somebody who has already a proven track record of, of making plays. And uh, there's a bit of still a dearth of that proven in the secondary right now after Hickman leaves, after McAllister leaves. You, you've got some spots to fill. So Josh Proctor is a guy that we did not talk about in July 2021 because we assumed he would be long gone. And now here he is back for year six in college football. Do we have a reason? It wasn't one of the odder seasons, I think, from a player. I can. There's a guy that was in the Trestle era who, which is a little bit like this. There was a safety who like started, like won a job in camp, started week one, lost his job, and like was never heard from again. Like a one-game starter. Like, and that was that. And I don't, like, there was such expectation, Stephen, around Josh Proctor, and there there's a good football player in there, I think, right? Still, mm-hmm. he missed one tackle, and Jim Knowles was saying all kinds of good stuff about Lathan Ransom all along the way as soon as Lathan Ransom was healthy enough to, to show him what he could do. But I'm curious about that, too, because one of the things that has to happen is what what was one of the things that happened that hurt this team was huge breakdowns in the secondary. So I, it's great to be a playmaker. They have to put three guys on the field who aren't going to mess up. Mm-hmm. That's like the number one thing. Just make sure you don't. And, and you know, it's maybe not his fault, but, you know, Lathan Ransom fell or maybe was forced to fall on the 76-yard touchdown. That doesn't mean you don't, you don't put Lathan Ransom on the field, but Lathan Ransom kind of took Josh Proctor's job. And then there were – Lathan Ransom just had a very interesting year. You can – if you ran through and said, what are the 10 best plays Lathan Ransom made in 2022? I think you might get them more than 10. You'd be like, remember when he made this tackle? Remember when he shot up and did this? Remember when he broke up this pass? But then you could say, what are some of the not-so-great plays? Even? I think you could run through a list there a little bit, too. He's a little bit of a boom-bust player. It's great to have playmakers. But we talk a lot about like that Jordan Fuller kind of guy. You're an eraser back there. You do everything right. You don't make any mistakes. I'll be very curious Stephen, how this shakes out. Maybe Jihad Carter's that. It's like, listen, this guy's been around the block. He's played a bunch of snaps. We'll just put him out there and we know he'll do his job. But I, I do think there's room for maneuverability here. And I don't know, Stephen, is there room for Josh Proctor to get back in the mix and, and a real fight for playing time, do you think? Or does it feel like, well, I don't know. It, he kind of got aced out last year and we think it'll happen again. I mean, I'll probably, if I had to change one thing about what Nathan put on there, I probably would have had him as the backup bandit 
over Court Williams just because, I mean, he is, I mean, he's played the role. He's got some experience and we just haven't seen it from Court Williams at this point. So, but that's about it. I don't necessarily see him taking back a starting job from anybody because that's either taking it back from the guy who took it from you and showed, then spent the year showing why he took it from you, or you're taking it from a guy that everybody thinks might be the next all American DB that we haven't seen since 2019 here. So I just, I don't see where that fits in. Um, so, I mean, probably a backup role in a lot of special teams like we saw from him for most of the season. And just to be Which is clear, why it's interesting that he's back here. Yeah, yeah. Because like, even, I, you know, go ahead, Nathan. I'd say I, I, I did that before he announced he was coming back, or before Periano, I guess, Eliano announced he was coming Fair back. Fair point. Fair point. But it's like Javante Jean-Baptiste, uh, obviously everybody got that sixth year. That's why a lot of these 2018 guys are back. But he moved on to another place where there's probably going to be more opportunity for him. You know, Josh Proctor probably could have done the same thing, but still can decide to come back like, here. There's there's yeah, another still can so there's another transfer window in the spring. So I mean, there's there's sure. guys at a couple of positions where there's a lot of depth all of a sudden. And if 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 you think you're not going to play for your fifth or sixth year, fourth, that might be a time where some guys yeah. make that move. But you see where you see where you are after the spring. And this is a spot where they have lost some guys out of the safety room in the transfer portal. They're, they're yeah. fine that they lost some of these guys. But if you got through the spring and you're a veteran in this room and you look around and you see Jihad Carter as a transfer and Sonny Styles and Kai Stokes as young guys and they're in front of you in line a lot, maybe you'll mm-hmm. ask yourself, is this where I need to be right now? And that could apply to maybe multiple guys that we're talking about here. Because we're throwing out seven names right now, Nathan. When you add Proctor into your two deep, what do we think? Pretty good. Like the the idea of Ohio State's ability to put three good, maybe better than good safeties on the field most of the time in 2023. How do we feel about that? Well, I, fair or not, I think a lot of this rides on Sonny Styles. And what does he show if he does come out and take a job and have a, a full-time role on this team as opposed to just being this sort of guy who bounces in and out as a true freshman, a young true freshman. Like, does he come in and make an impact? Because the thing that this secondary has been missing, not just at safety, but across the board since Okuda is like, who's that difference-making player back there? Uh, you know, Sean Wade, I think would have been that if they had left him at safety or felt they could have left him at safety and let him play maybe his more natural position, but couldn't be that when he was playing out of position as a corner. And the, it just hasn't been there the last couple of years. Like who's the, who's the real like next level player back there. They're getting solid play. I'm not trying to disparage. I mean, Ronnie Hickman had a great career. Um, It was going to be probably like a mid round NFL draft pick and uh, good, good for him. And, you know, Lathan Ransom, very solid. Tanner McAllister came here and did solid things, but I I think you're seeing in games like the Georgia game that solid is maybe leaves you on the wrong side of where you want to be. It leaves you one game short of where you want to be. I think I agree with that because Sonny Styles played 12 games against Georgia, and I understand it's only I'm mean, 12 snaps. Excuse me, 12 games would have been that's something else. But tw- and I understand it's just 12 snaps in a game where they played like 80 plays, but. The only other game he played 12 snaps in that year was against Michigan State where they won by 40 points. So, and then he's playing meaningful, a dude who's supposed to be in high school is playing meaningful snaps 
in the most important game of the season after basically not playing all year. That means something. Even if it's a small little role like that, that's a guy who had been showing it for a month in bowl practice and is clearly ready to take that next step, which is still going to be early because he's supposed to just now be getting here in January. And we keep making these comparisons across position groups. The idea that Cam Martinez, Court Williams, Kai Stokes, and Josh Proctor were projecting as the backups right now tells you that this is a fairly healthy room, I think. Because again, that what what you have in those guys, just the I think Kai Stokes has shown some shown some stuff in practice. This guy seems like he gets it. He could be something. Court Williams has had the injuries, but you, you think there's something there. Cam Martinez had the rough play against Michigan. But this guy's a good football player, and you, you kind of think, okay, there still might be something here. But they're not—they're not expecting them to start because you have a guy who's back in Lathan Ransom who's done it. You have a transfer who's done it elsewhere, and you have a five-star young guy who you think is going to steal a spot. So that's again, Nathan. We don't want to compare everything to the offensive line, but if Kai Stokes was an offensive lineman, he'd be like, well, he's going to start at guard, right? Like that's the kind of thing where and safety doesn't have to be that. So I think overall, good health. Good reason to think they'll put three pretty decent safeties on the field and certainly an opportunity for maybe a guy or maybe two to be special, Nathan, which I think is what you should be thinking about with any position group at Ohio State. As you just said, who's the guy who might be special? Yeah, it's Stokes. It, or and you've got to have – Or Stokes. It, it might be Stokes. And Stokes looks like a half, like one and a half. Yeah. You've got to have a guy in your room. You've got to look around your room and say, chance to be special, right? At some mm-hmm. point, chance to be special. So I think you can do that in the safety room and, and and feel good about it. All right, let's go to corner because when we were talking about this in July of 2021, the phrase crazy deep was used <laughs> for what the cornerback room might be in 2023. And again, back then, it's easy to do this. Back then, we were thinking about three corners because we called that slot position a corner instead of a safety. But we had Lathan Ransom and Cam Martinez there. So we'll just throw them out because we just talked about them in the safeties. The outside corners, when we did this, Nathan, we had Ryan Watts and J.K. Johnson as the starters in 2023. And Jordan Hancock and Jaheim Singletary as the second team guys. Ryan Watts is long gone, long ago transferred. J.K. Johnson just transferred. Jordan Hancock's here. Jaheim Singletary never got here because he decommitted. Another guy that we talked about on that podcast was Terrence Brooks, who never got here because he decommitted. We barely mentioned Denzel Burke, barely, in that conversation. But you think about that now, Nathan. We were talking about crazy deep. And one, two, three, four of like the six guys that we were focused on aren't here or never were here. And if Jaheim Singletary was here right now, we'd be having a different conversation about the cornerback room. But I don't think we would have used the phrase crazy deep for the cornerback room at any time in the past couple of years. And I don't know that we would do it now. What do we think of the outside corners in 2023? Well, I think there's reason for optimism that if this group can go into next season healthy because that's where things went off the rails, right? Like you know, Denzel Burke uh, and and we had so many conversations about him going into last year about how, well, how good was he really as a freshman and how much does he really need to make a jump to like be consistently good. And he got hurt in preseason camp and then had other things come up 
And I, that threw him off. And obviously Jordan Hancock never had a chance. I mean, he had such a great spring and then has the hamstring injury. Like in any other year, it would have been the hamstring injury that dominated the season, except for the one that Jackson Smith and Jigba had. But like Hancock barely being a factor at all, all season really hurt this defense. So I think both of those guys potentially being healthy and going into the season and being able to build some momentum what what this again what going back to what I said about the safety group it applies here like what this what this whole secondary has been missing is a a higher level of play i mean we can talk about depth all we want and depth is important because we saw last year what happens when you lack depth but we've also seen for 3 years now what happens when you lack um however you want to describe it, top shelf, upper echelon. Dudes. Like we know it when we see it, you know, it when you see it, we're, we're comparing it to the Ohio state standard. It's same as with defensive end. This is a program that just cranked out big time cornerbacks year after year after year. And they worked in tandem with that edge rushing group. And that's what made this defense. And I know this people are going to say, well, this defense actually most years wasn't, you know, a top, five top 10 defense or whatever. I know, but you know what it was. You you know what you saw. You know how disruptive those people could be in tandem with each other. And right now, both halves of that have been lacking and they've got to find, they've got to be somebody who steps up and uh, it's different being a, being feared um, at, at corner than it is at being feared off the edge. But that thing where you take away a half of the field where teams don't want to throw at you, where teams avoid you the way they did with Jeff Okuda, the way they did with guys before that, that's something that I think this defense has to find a way back towards. I don't think they can get all the way there in 2023. I think there's reason to wonder what the ceiling is, if, if it's if it's that elite for the guys they have coming back. But I think you've got to make some kind of step back towards that level of respect. Because that, that respect is something that maybe hasn't been there for this cornerback group now for a couple of years from opposing teams. What's funny is Jaheim Singletary is in the transfer portal right now. <laughs> No, that's not a thing, oh, yeah. but that would be – if it actually were a thing, that would be hilarious if somehow he still ended up here, even if he took the long road here. But that's that's not a thing right now. But I I agree. They just, they just need a dude at this point, whether it's Hancock's fully healthy so we get to see what maybe he would have been this past season. Denzel Burke is healthy so he gets back on the trajectory he was after that freshman year. Um, or maybe Jair Brown takes a step, or maybe even one of these true freshmen coming in, Calvin Simpson Hunt or Jermaine Matthews gets a dump. They just need a dude at this point, and it doesn't really matter who it is because it's been too long since that cornerback room has had a dude. And again, this is why. Why did we have this crazy conversation? When you, we'll, we won't run through it all at the end, but when we were running through it. In July 2021, when you talked about this defense, it was like, and that's why they'll put 11 players on the field every snap, all of whom were top 70 national recruits. Like, it was wild. These corners, right? You had J.K. Johnson and Jordan Hancock in the class of 21. One's number 50 recruit, one's number 73. You had Jaheim Singletary and Terrence Brooks in the class of 2022. One's Mm -hmm. 27, one's 83. That's four top 100 national players at corner when we talked about it in 2021 and only ones here now. So it's not the end of the world, Nathan. Denzel Burke has certainly outplayed his recruiting ranking. At some point you stop talking about recruiting rankings, but when we were doing it back then, we certainly were talking about recruiting rankings a lot when you're projecting ahead, projecting ahead, you felt better then than you do now. And that doesn't mean they can't find good players, but I agree with Steven. I, I think we all probably agree. 
They probably need something from a true freshman, and maybe they'll get it. Maybe they have two guys in Matthews and Simpson Hunt who are capable of doing that. But again, this is it's not those guys aren't necessarily bonus guys, Nathan. Those guys are one alien. They borrow somebody for a game. Those guys might be on the field just the way Denzel Burke was on the field as a starter, as a true freshman a couple of years ago. So if Burke and Hancock are what you think they can be, okay, roll them out, let's go, right, Nathan? I mean, I think, but it gets thin quick and it gets down to young guys who have not done anything yet quick beyond that for a room that just had two weird years with guys trying to stay on the field. Yeah, and not to rehash something we've already talked about on the pod too much, but you know, we brought up before that when Ohio State loses transfers, it usually doesn't come back to haunt them. I'm I'll be interested if we're talking the same way in like October, November about JK Johnson, because if they stay healthy, then they're probably fine. Then you know, he didn't like distinguish himself so much with his play last year, even though he got a lot of snaps that you know you thought he was like demanding a huge role this year necessarily. I think we would still have projected, even if he was on the roster now, I would have still projected Burke and Hancock to be the starters based on what we've seen from Burke, what we've seen in pieces and heard about Hancock. But if they start losing guys and now you're down to true freshmen, it's worked, I guess. Okay. I mean, they had it last year. Jair Brown got thrown to the wolves a little bit. You know, um, it's worked okay when they've had to do it the last couple of years, but uh, it's man, it's a, that's a tough tight rope to walk. Um, And I think you're right that at some point that it may one of these true freshmen may have to hit because they have to be on the field too. Um, that's, and that goes back to something else we talk about so much, like the difference between something happening from strength and something happening from weakness. Uh, what that's not necessarily what they need. Cause if the guy has to play, the guy has to play. What they really need is one of these younger guys to demand to play, to be somebody that shows through this spring and through preseason camp. Like, Hey, you, you got to put me on the field. Um, and I don't know that that's necessarily been there these last couple of years at corner. I know it hasn't, that it, it's more been, uh, well, this is what we have and we'll, we'll make do with that. I think they need to get back to where it's guys who are impressing you with, with what they do on the field. So in looking at PFF grades, and again, it's not a be all and all. It's an easy way to try to do some comparisons though. Looking at players from power five schools, Overall defensive grades among cornerbacks, guys who played at least 20% of their team snaps, right? So it's okay. If you played six snaps, you don't count. There are 267 guys in the power five that qualify as that. The highest ranked Ohio State corner was Jair Brown at number 107. So they did not have a top 100 corner in overall defensive grade among guys who played at least 20% of their team snaps. Jair Brown, 107. Cam Brown, 112. Denzel Burke, 128. J.K. Johnson, 220. So, Stephen, that's not about calling guys out, but let's just go by Ohio State corners. That's not good enough, man. What are we talking about? You don't have a guy in the top 100, and the guy who is highest is the guy who, like, played the fourth most snaps. Anybody who actually played – has a grade like that, that is not good enough. That is not the standard, Stephen. So however it works out, 
So Jordan Hancock was hurt the whole year, and Denzel Burke probably wasn't quite as good this year as he was as a true freshman. And then after that, you're asking Jermaine Matthews if he's ready to go right now. This is, I don't know. This is a, it was a worry spot last year because the, I think the injuries kind of put him in a spot. But even like without injuries right now, Stephen, I think you're a kind of, there's a lot of question marks that you're putting with this group. No one has given you a reason for optimism the same way that even at safety, I mean, Latham Ransom fell down, yes, and he had some weird moments, especially in that Northwestern game. But he also, for every moment like that, he's got a moment where he's got an interception or he's got a pump block or something like that. I mean, Sonny Styles is Sonny Styles. Every other spot, maybe, okay, except off, offensive line and cornerback are the only two teams where right now it's more pessimistic than it is optimistic as far as how you're viewing things until proven otherwise. And I think what's interesting is offensive line, as we said on the other pod, like you saw that coming a couple years ago and they weren't able to address it. The cornerback situation, as evidenced by that thing that we were talking about 18 months ago, that list we put together 18 months ago, there were guys committed to this program 18 months ago that we thought were going to be second year guys or even first year guys, but with with reasonable expectation that they could make a big impact first year and they couldn't keep them. They didn't keep them. And again, as Steven said, some of those guys are already back in the portal after the, the place that they committed to, but or the place that they went uh, instead of Ohio State. But it's 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 a different kind of I don't know if you'd call that a recruiting failure in the same way that you would call it a recruiting failure on the offensive line. But th- that approach wasn't working either. Something was something was wrong in that approach. Something was corrupted in that approach that left them where they are right now. And again, just as a point of reference, we're talking about Jair Brown being the highest rated corner last year for Ohio State at 107. 2019, which is good Ohio State defense, Jeff Okuda was 17, Sean Wade was 26, Damon Arnett was 54. So Jeffrey Okuda was was higher than the 17th best corner in the country that year. But we're talking about three guys in the top 54, nobody in the top 100. So it's just a measuring stick that it's not, it's not good enough right now. And this is, they need a jump. And the only way they're going to make a jump is either guys who are already here play better, guys who were hurt get healthy, or true freshmen, like true freshmen do something. And maybe not, maybe Jair Brown's the answer. Maybe Jair Brown comes in in the spring as a second year guy and is like, I got this. And maybe we're at a point where, Steven, I asked you on the offensive pod week seven, like, how does Brandon Ennis work in? Maybe week seven, it's like, what are you doing? It's like, what are we doing? We're doing Jair Brown and Jermaine Matthews. What are you talking about? We're fine. Like that's there's openings here. It doesn't mean Denzel Burke's not a good player. It doesn't mean Jordan Hancock doesn't have potential. But man, they have to get better corner play, Stephen, one way or another. And I think if you know if Denzel Burke plays exactly like he did this season, which wasn't great early, had the injury issues, fought through that, got on the field, was better at the end of the year. But if he has that exact season again, I think maybe there's room for someone to get past him. Yeah. You know, if Jermaine, if Jermaine Matthews or Jair Brown or Ryan Turner is like, let's go, like that wasn't quite good enough. And Cam Brown, like was a solid veteran for a lot of years here, had injury issues, but, you know, good, solid player. But that's not what Ohio State corners are expected to be, Stephen. So this is, if it's status quo, I, that's, if it's status quo, if they get the same level of corner play in 23, whoever it is that they got in 22, can they they're get gonna, where they want to go? Or is it going to hold them back? If they have the same cornerback play, they might lose two games. 
just because because of what this defense is. I wouldn't say I honestly under Kerry Combs and especially that 20 defense, I don't know if I would feel the same way. Maybe they could still win some games there, but because this defense relies so heavily on it's going to be aggressive to the point that your corners have to cover. Your corners are literally on an island so much because of how aggressive Jim Knowles calls this thing. You cannot have liabilities out there. So Tim Walton has to exhaust every single option he has. And if that means we get the week six and Jermaine Matthews and Calvin Simpson Hunt are lighting it up in practice, those two need to play. If it means that Jordan Hancock and Denzel Burke are finally healthy and they're the dudes that we thought they could be, then they need to play. But this defense puts so much responsibility on the cornerbacks to cover that you can't have liabilities because when you have liabilities, you lose to Michigan. And I think we could pair this conversation with the conversation we already had about Big Ten quarterbacks in 2023 and mm-hmm. the guys on Ohio State's schedule. And the reason that you might say, okay, this could be an even bigger problem is Sam Hartman at Notre Dame, Drew Aller at Penn State, year three J.J. McCarthy at Michigan, Tanner Mordecai at Wisconsin, Hudson Card at Purdue, right? We're talking about, and we didn't know then, Talia Tonga-Vailoa coming back at Maryland right? Are they going to lose to all those guys? No, but the level of quarterback play, Nathan, we think we think they're, because there were times last, like we do this all the time. And we, what we said on that podcast is like, well, I don't know. Their corners aren't that good, but who's going to test them? Well, I think there might be six or seven legitimate, legitimate, not world beating, but legitimate quarterbacks on the Ohio State schedule in 2023 that if there is an issue, I think it's going to get exposed more quickly than maybe it did a year ago. Yeah. And again, so much of this comes back to just there is an element of the eye test here. I, don't, I think that Okuda thing that you mentioned is a good example. Like clearly no one thought he was only the 17th best cornerback in the country. He went, you know, number three in the NFL draft that year. But the reason we think that is because we just watched him play. And it wasn't that he was out there making a ton of, of crazy plays. It was because half of the field was just a no-fly zone for a lot of the teams that they played. Again, it was a Big Ten schedule. It wasn't even that good of a Big Ten schedule that year. So it wasn't like they were playing a lot of high-flying offenses that were attacking them through the air. But you just know it when you see it. And you also know it when you see the other thing. And that's what you've seen from Ohio State's defense and Ohio State's cornerback play for a couple years here. It's been kind of adequate at best for the most part. And they've got to break through that. And uh, it's an astute observation because this, this schedule... Potentially, and we, I know we were talking about how good their schedule might be last year at this time last year, and it didn't turn out to come to fruition. But the just the quarterback play specifically that's starting to stack up on this schedule uh, could really challenge this team if they are still having breakdowns at cornerback. And then Steven's right that the everybody in this secondary, because of how Jim Knowles calls it and the, how aggressive he wants to play it, there's some risk reward there. You're always going to end up giving up a little bit of something once in a while. And that's built into this, but it, it you're asking so much from all, basically all those guys sometimes to play on an Island. I think that's something that's why the safety play has to be better too. And we saw that against Georgia and Michigan. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's wrap that up and let's come back and finish with the linebackers. And we have to talk about a guy whose name was not mentioned in July. 2021. We'll do it next. All right. So we're going to do linebacker. And again, we were, we were bathing in linebackers in 2021. Should we start with Sam linebacker? Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's a bullet. It's a Sam. What is it? So the four guys that we projected for 2023 projected starters, 
Cody Simon at middle linebacker and Gabe Powers at will with CJ Hicks and Reed Carrico as the backups. And that is not where we are right now because Steve, Nathan, you mentioned this. We didn't mention the name Steel Chambers in the linebacker discussion at all in 2021 because he wasn't the linebacker then. You know who we else we didn't mention once? Tommy Eichenberg. We didn't say he was a linebacker the whole time. We didn't say his name. We thought that this group was going to be Cody Simon as the number 75 overall recruit in the class of 2020. Reed Carrico is number 87 overall recruit in the class of 2021. And the class of 2022, CJ Hicks is seven and Gabe Powers is 103. Nathan was like, I don't know, they're like an abundance of linebackers. And now it's like they're all blocked. But I guess in a good way, but I do, this is an interesting conversation to me because it goes back to one of the fundamental conversations that fans are always interested in and we like to talk about, which is when do you like let a young guy get past a good old guy to maybe play a great young guy? But your depth chart right now, Nathan, is anybody could do it because it's the same depth chart we had in 2022, which is Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers as your starting linebackers, right? That's what I go with for now. I think it is very open to someone like CJ Hicks coming in and imposing himself and, and stealing a job, uh, no pun intended. But uh, you, at this point, you have to give some respect, certainly to Tommy Eichberg, but I think also to Steel Chambers, who would be going into his third year as a starter and um, has, has performed really well for this defense. And, you know, we saw it against, you know, Georgia getting the interception. I mean, it's the guy who has grown into that spot. Uh, you know, it, it makes sense that we didn't project Tommy Eichenberg, frankly, as a starter back then. You know, Cody Simon ended up starting the 2021 season uh, over. Uh, or actually, no, I take that back. Tommy Eichenberg started that year, the, the first game. But uh, Cody Simon came and took that job away from him eventually. And it, at the time, it looked like that was kind of proving us right. I mean, you had four top 100 prospects, including some guys that ranked really high and uh, in, in Hicks, especially. And. I, I think it makes sense that, you know, Eichenberg hadn't shown himself yet to be what he is, but he's the one that was the most helped, obviously, by anybody in this defense um, of, of Jim Knowles coming in and and really unleashing him as a as a player. So I, I, while all those guys are still around, Simon, Carrico, uh, Hicks, you still got Gabe Powers, who I didn't, I don't think, have on my list. Um, you, I mean, there's they're going really deep now in highly ranked linebackers. But I don't know how you put anybody ahead of Tommy Eichenberg. And I'm if, if someone takes Steel Chambers' job, they're going to have to come take it. And Steel Chambers isn't going to be that nice about it, I don't think. So that's, the, that's good news, really, for this linebacker core. I mean, you can go back to 2021. And as much as we looked ahead to 2023 with optimism, um, I, the 2021 situation with linebackers was not great. So it has improved. It's probably going to come to a head in terms of some attrition at some point because you've only got two spots. I mean, back then, I know we were kind of only projecting two spots, but you could still mix in the Sam and stuff back then. This team rarely ever does anything with three linebackers now in a meaningful way. It's a two linebacker system, and there's probably something that has to shake out there. Uh, but the depth looks really strong. If somebody from below that younger group, not even at the start of the year, but over the course of a year, pushes their way into starting the way Steel Chambers did in 2021, then, um, then maybe they've got something. But that's who I would – I still think those are the two guys that you would have to right now say are the most likely opening day starters. 
As much as we chastise Al Washington for only getting highly rated linebackers when they live within two hours from Columbus, the good thing about having highly rated linebackers who only live two hours away from Columbus is they're not as quick to get in the transfer portal because they just love being Buckeyes. Because Reed sure. Carroll's a top 100 recruit where it's like, that dude could probably play somewhere. And it's year three, and I'm pretty confident that guy's not going to be a starter and play a lot of meaningful snaps. C.J. Hicks, I would be shocked if he doesn't force his way onto the field. But at the same time, there is a small part of me that is getting Baron Browning vibes where we spend a lot of time during his career. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, PTSD. It's only like 15% put a, put a of me. Warning on this yeah. podcast. There's a Baron, a Baron yeah. Browning warning on this podcast for adult listeners only. Oh, yeah. oh, you mean the most talented wasted player in modern Ohio state history? Great. Bill the fact Davis that- isn't here, though. Bill Davis isn't here. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Why did you say – okay. Baron Browning went to the Broncos, and they did everything with him that we asked Ohio State to do with him for four years. For four years. And he's a pretty quality linebacker for the Broncos, even though as an organization they're kind of terrible right now. But he's having a pretty quality – he had a pretty quality season. And there's just 15% of me, five-star linebacker, all the talent in the world. I've seen that kid play football live. That dude is – he is – He's a top 10 recruit. Uh, he is everything that they say he is. And then like a dude in front of him where you really can't explain why he's in front of him, but he's in front of him. And then like he goes to the NFL as a later round draft pick and he ends up being everything we thought he was going to be to some extent. Well, I think so it's only year two for CJ Hicks. So it's only yeah. year two for CJ Hicks. Yeah. That's one of the differences. It was, the other difference, uh, but the other difference is though, that with Browning, I think there was always a question maybe not so much in our minds, but in the coaching staff's mind about where does he need to be on the field? And they almost tried to find places for him on the field. I mean, 2019, he was in a middle linebacker rotation with tough Borland and was the guy that they had on the field in the most crucial snaps of games, you know, late in games, late in the season. Uh, But really that wasn't the best fit for him. He needed to be probably coming off the edge. Uh, But you had a guy in, I don't think you wonder why, Malik Harrison played ahead of him. Malik Harrison was a great Will linebacker. And Pete Werner turned out to be what Pete Werner turned out to be at Sam. So I, that's the difference to me is that there were clear NFL guys ahead of him, except at, Mil, except at Mike, but he wasn't a Mike. Whereas with Hicks, it, it, I think the proof will just be in the pudding. It'll just be like, does he overtake Steel Chambers? Or is Steel Chambers just a better linebacker than him still at this point? And maybe we don't see a huge role for C.J. Hicks until year three. I don't know that that's a travesty. It, it's it's either he – there's two spots. Either he steps up and takes one or he doesn't. For the record, 2018, Bram Browning, year two, and he's like the backup Mike linebacker behind Tough Boyle at that point. Tough Borland, 537 snaps in 14 games. Baron Browning, 292 snaps in 12 games. And, I mean, if if that's – I'm, I'm trying to project that onto his, this, yeah. this situation. Steel Chambers being Tough Borland and C.J. Hicks being Baron Browning. But also, but I, you're, you're, so- I, I understand what you're saying, Nathan, with the – it might wait till year three, but that's too many places now where we're talking about five-star recruits who are really like that, who have to wait till year three to finally be what they are. Between, I mean, we already saw that with Paris Johnson. I don't know if we need, Ohio State needs to be living in that world. But but the point being that Baron Browning wasn't a top seven defensive players, and 
Well, that's true. Well, they didn't know what to do with him. Right. They made right. him. They thought he was a Mike linebacker. Mm. They played him at Mike linebacker. They just wanted him on the field. Yeah. When even he was saying, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not a Mike linebacker. So the question is, so George, five of George's top seven defensive players in snaps this year were first year, second year guys. Now they had a rash of guys leave for the NFL. So they had some mm-hmm. opportunity, but you got to play young guys. I think Steel Chambers, CJ Hicks could be almost the ideal encapsulation of the discussion that I referenced that we have had a million times, which is a good veteran player and a potentially great younger player. So Steel Chambers last year by PFF, again, we're just using it, power five players, linebackers, minimum of 20% of their team snaps. Ohio State did not have a corner in the top 100. Last year, Tommy Eichenberg, third. The guy's not going anywhere. Cody Simon was 11th, which I don't, some of this might be the defensive system and how the positions you get put in to succeed. As Steven, as you were saying, they kind of ask a lot of the corners sometimes. And it's like, hey, I was out here by myself and I missed one tackle and the guy ran 70 yards for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Thanks, where linebackers aren't being put in positions like that. But uh, Steel Chambers was 76th in the overall defensive grade among linebackers, Nathan. So Tommy Eichenberg's not going anywhere. C.J. Hicks said he's a will. When I talked to him at the Bowl Media Day, he's like, I'm a will linebacker. So he's at the Steel Chambers spot. I do just think Gabe Powers and Reed Carrico might be as crunched as anybody on this roster at the moment. And Steven made a good point, you know, if they weren't Ohio guys, maybe they'd be out of here by now. And by the way, we had a, like a technical issue with our scholarship chart, so it wasn't up for a while. But I just Googled Ohio State football scholarship chart, and our Cleveland.com scholarship chart came up. So that it's it's back working again, as you know, Nathan, because you're the one who helped get it back working with our, with our boss. So you look at that. Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers, Cody Simon as seniors. Mitchell Melton, who's like a like a – uh, Jack. Jack Leo, yeah, he may not be a linebacker, linebacker, hurt guy, like who knows. Then Reed Carrico and CJ Hicks is guys with in their second year of eligibility, and then Gabe Powers and then Arvell Reese coming in. So it's actually not a super crowded room. It was a more crowded room, you know, like a year ago. We we're like, you have nine linebackers. What are you going to do? Chip Trainum, like, what is he? Who knows? He's nothing. He's everything. He was a running back at the end of the year. We don't know what's going to happen with him. They're also very crowded at running back. So maybe you figure that out. Again, Chip Trainum is a great athlete and like a good football player. And I think Chip Trainum could help them if they needed it. But like if Tommy Eckenberg's got it locked down and here comes CJ Hicks, I don't know. But I do think Nathan in the end, Steel Chambers had a good year. Steel Chambers is not Ryan Shazier or Jerome Baker or some of these guys. I don't think Steel Chambers is going to be a day one or day two NFL draft pick. He's a good player. He can help them. If that turns into some kind of share where CJ Hicks gets a lot of run and I don't know, you can play. It does feel like I agree with Steven that like they've got to leave that door open for CJ Hicks to get on the field. And my guess is they will. But Nathan, I'm super curious to see what this looks like in the spring, especially against CJ Hicks hurt his knee uh, in the Michigan game. He's okay. He was in a brace for a little bit. He's going to be back. It's not going to be something that's going to affect him in spring football or anything. So he'll be in that fight, but you have to leave room for young guys to play early or you're not going to be what you're going to be when Georgia's winning the national championship with five of their seven most reliable defensive players or first or second year guys. 
Yeah, and Hicks was already back practicing by the Peach Bowl. I can't remember if he played on specials in the mm-hmm. in the Peach Bowl or not, but he was back he practicing. Yeah, I, I, the Chambers thing. I mean, you said number seventy six, and that wasn't just among linebackers, right? That was among all defensive players. No, no, no. It's seventy six among linebackers. Okay, just among among Power okay. Five linebackers that played at least twenty percent okay. of their team snaps. So that's sixty five teams. Yeah. So he's seventy sixth. So like he's clearly. Like he's clearly a starter worthy linebacker, but Tommy Eichenberg was third. So that's just the difference of, I think, what we're talking about, which people know. I just want to make sure I was hearing that correctly. And listen, we saw a little bit last year, there was a time when Chambers and Cody Simon were splitting time where uh, (laughs) Simon was like the one B. He was like the, he was the clear backup, but he was playing early in games. He was playing real snaps with the game on the line. And then they kind of faded back away from that. And he became more of like a third guy and Chambers just locked that spot. He was kind of like, nah, I got this and and kept it to himself. And maybe he does that again. But I would think if, I think if that is all we see from CJ Hicks this second year, I don't necessarily think that is a bad thing. As long as you're also still getting a, another rise in play from steel chambers. Cause remember number 76 player in the country, but still only two years into his linebacker life and now has a whole nother year to, to build. That's why he said he came back was that he thought he still had a lot more growth as a linebacker going into this last year, what it'll be for him. So if his play elevates and you're also still getting the special traits of CJ Hicks for some mix per game, I think that still makes this defense better. I don't think you, I don't think it necessarily means something got lost in the shuffle. And then CJ Hicks is there very poised to be like the man in that next year. So this is just the reality of like guys sticking around, which is why it's, it's great when guys stick around, everybody makes their own individual decision, but you look at Ohio state's recruiting class from the class of 2019, it only had 17 players in it, but um, is that right? Yeah. There are only four guys left from that class who are coming back as fifth year guys. One of them's Cade Stover, who they super duper need. And it's very good for them that he stayed at tight end. One of them's Enoch Vamahi, who is going to be in a fight on the offensive line where they need guys. And the other two are Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg. So sort of as we were thinking about the end of the season, I didn't a thousand percent assume they'd both be back. And it's one of those things, Stephen, where you don't want to be unappreciative of very good players, especially the way Tommy, Tommy Eichenberg is second-team All-American. But not all starters come back for year five. And C.J. Hicks is like, and Gabe Powers and Reed Carrick are like, okay, well, you know, Tommy Eckenberg and Steel Chambers have been kind of around for a long time now. And Steel Chambers switched positions, and I think he wanted to have, he said that, I want one more year fully being a linebacker because he was a mid, mid-career mid switch. But if one of them had left, or even if both of them had left, I don't know that I'd think their linebacker room was in disarray. I think Chip Trainum comes back into the picture in a bigger mm-hmm. way if they had both left. But if you said, okay, somebody left, well, CJ Hicks or Gabe Powers or Reed Carrico or Chip Trainum, somebody that we haven't seen who there might be some, I think there's upside with all those guys, Steven, that we just haven't seen yet. And it's not to be unappreciative of very good football players, but I also get antsy when upside is blocked. <laughs> like, and that's, I think where a lot of people are right now is 
you want to make sure CJ Hicks has a chance and you don't want Reed Carrico and Gabe, Gabe Powers to get out of here without ever really getting an opportunity to, to really show what they're about because Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg like locked these jobs down for three years, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm the Steel Chambers thing, that makes sense. I get that. I, I thought maybe Tommy might think about going just because he's got two years of pretty solid film because even in 21, he wasn't bad. He's pretty solid, and then he took a jump and turned himself into an All-American level player this year, so maybe he jumps. But if both of those guys had left, that's this is how I think about it. I think where I think the floor of this linebacker room is going to be this year with them here would be the exact same next year, just with maybe a little bit more upside because I think C.J. Hicks is maybe a dude. And then there's just some untapped potential there with Reed Carrico and Gabe Powers as well, especially Reed Carrico because it's his year three – year four for no year three he's 21 year three for him so maybe i would just from that step i would think uh, at worst it's as good as it was last year at best cj hicks is a dog and you get two years of that why reed carico is he just kind of shores up that mike linebacker spot because you know i know you talked to him last spring and he was like he was repping that sam linebacker which didn't really even happen. The guys who were actually working right. at Sam linebacker didn't matter because when they needed a third linebacker on the field, it was Cody Simon. And when they needed a fourth, it was Pallier Neotote. So even him repping at that Sam linebacker spot, I don't know how much that means because I would assume if they need a third linebacker again this year, it's going to be Cody Simon. Yeah. And again, I'm not being unappreciative of Tommy Eichenberg, who was one of the five best linebackers in college football this yeah. year. So He's a really good player, and it's the, – the one thing is I do think – the one thing that's different about the tough Borland baron Browning situation and Steel Chambers' C.J. Hicks is that Mike Linebacker is the quarterback of the defense, and it just – they yeah. always talked about that as like tough Borland is the guy who gets everybody in the right place, and the Will Linebacker doesn't have that responsibility. So Tommy Eichenberg is going to get everybody lined up, and so then the Will, it can kind of, Nathan, I think be about who's making the most tackles, who's dragging down running backs, who's – covering tight ends who's getting after the quarterback who's playing well in space there's not that added layer that can perhaps keep a more talented um player behind a guy who's more of a leader right so not to be unappreciative of steel chambers but again it's just one of those things steel chambers came here as a running back and like a number 250 recruit in the country is that guys exceed their recruiting ranking it's not really about his rating anymore but Let's get the five-star shot. So let's finish with this, Nathan. Just so people can hear it. And you can go read it. You wrote these posts last week at cleveland.com. If people want to reference them as we're doing this, you can go read them, the offensive depth chart and the defensive depth chart. Just read the starters, Nathan, who you think right now will be the 11 defensive starters for Ohio State. This would be the 11 defensive starters for opening night or opening day. We don't know yet whether it's day or night at Indiana on September 2nd or whatever it is. Uh, the ends would be JT Tuimaloao and Jack Sawyer. Defensive tackles would be Mike Hall Jr. and Ty Hamilton. The linebackers would be Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg. The corners, Jordan Hancock and Denzel Burke. Nickel safety, Jahad Carter. Bandit safety, Sonny Styles. Adjuster safety, Lathan Ransom. Is that a national championship defense? Is that a defense for the greatest college football team of all time? There are pieces there, Stephen. One through 11, I didn't hear that and think, boom, watch out, Georgia. Um, 
Yeah, like some of the individual pieces, sure. I think if everybody hits, plus some of the backups maybe take some starting spots, then yeah, maybe it's a national championship defense. But I'll uh, I'll come – I, I think right now it's about can that defense compete in the, for a Big Ten championship game, which is – a.k.a. can it beat Michigan? Well – And I'm not even – I don't know if I can go there yet, so. I mean, let's be really real with this, though. Last year's defense – was as much a national championship defense as Georgia's was. Basically, it was 42-41. Like, they were basically, oh, when they yeah. got on the field with each other, yeah. it's it's right there. So is this champ- is this defense a national championship defense? Yes, if Ohio State's quarterback does the same thing that Ohio State's quarterback's been doing since Ryan Day became the head coach. That's what, I think that's the answer to this question. I think this defense can, can hold Georgia to 42 points in a national semifinal next year. So the guys that we're losing, right? The people that we're losing are Ronnie Hickman, Cam Brown, Zach, Zach Harrison. And Teron Vincent. And Tanner McAllister. And Teron Vincent. And Teron Vincent. And those are some good football players, but none of those losses seem insurmountable. So the the, the other question is too is will the offense will the offense be as good? when you have a new quarterback as opposed to year two CJ Stroud, but you have all the skill guys back and we already covered the questions on the offensive line. I do think Nathan, you might need a little more from this defense. I think so. Yes. Both compared to like, you've got to be better than you were against Michigan last year, no matter what, but also there might be some more days where you can't just look with the loss on the offensive line and any new quarterback compared to year two CJ, you might just need to ask a little more of the defense. I think that's that's completely fair. Let's also remember, and listen, it's the off season, so optimism grows, right? This is about the time of year where you start coming out of the cloud of the loss that ended your season, and you start looking at only the most optimistic parts of like every player on the roster and how that leads you into August, and then you start tearing it down from there on in. That's the, the jaded version of what we do. And Jim Knowles, it's the second year of a defense, so everybody's a little bit more comfortable. He has even that much more of a read on what each of these guys can do. You've got young guys who we're talking about here who we saw a little bit of, but that first year and then that second that second offseason, that first or first two offseason, however you want to say it, can be massive for guys in the growth and the jumps that you make as a sophomore, second-year player. So I think for all those reasons, you could you could reasonably expect this defense to make another progression because statistically it did make a progression. You didn't see it enough in the biggest games of the year. And that's still the step that this defense has to make. And it's one of these things we, we don't have the optimism. We don't have the optimism of spring football here yet. So imagine Steven, if Jim Knowles during spring football says these three things, Kai Stokes is one of the most instinctual safeties I've ever been around. Jermaine Matthews is the most prepared freshman cornerback I've ever seen. And C.J. Hicks is an All-American. C.J. Hicks has All-American ability. Imagine if Jim Knowles says those three things, how that affects how we view this defense, none of which are completely fanciful things with the way we think of those players. I'm going to have you ask me that question again about is this a national championship defense? If in, a, in this fantasy super world, I'd have you ask me that question again. I'd say, yes, Ohio State's winning the national championship because yep. that's 
I mean, that's three key spots where you've got guys where you think you know, and Jim Knowles just told us, yeah, you guys are right. Because we, did, we did that with Lathan Ransom last, last yep. August. And I'm asking, hey, what do you think? And then he was like, yeah, he's like that. And he ended up being like that. So I do like that about Jim Knowles. He will tell if you – if you ask him, and, you know, obviously you got to pretty it up, but basically if you ask him, hey, is this guy really like that, he will say yes or no. Yeah, no, we should just play dude, not a dude with Jim Knowles in every news conference yeah. and see what he says. And you don't want to not a dude anybody, but you could just be like, well, you can tell, though. Jermaine, Jermaine Matthews, dude? Yeah, you can tell. CJ Hicks, dude? See what he says. He, he What he'll say, okay. he won't say something about a guy that he hasn't seen yet. If he hasn't seen yeah. a guy do it, he won't say positive things. Like, you won't embellish it. So if, if he's talking about a guy, it means he's seen it. And I think that's an important read with him. Yeah, no, that's, that's very true. You learn, you learn, you're around people, you learn a little bit. So we're learning about how Jim Knowles operates. And by the way, big year two for Jim Knowles, right? Like mm-hmm. improved, needs to improve again. Like the defense overall needs to take another step from where it was in year one in his system. Okay, that's our defensive depth chart. More pods coming later this week. Stuff always available at cleveland.com slash OSU. And of course, we welcome you to try the text at 614-350-3315. And uh, College Football Survivor Show, we did the biggest off-season moves. It was for Apple Podcast subscribers. You subscribe for $2.99 a month to get a bonus episode every week. We did the biggest off-season moves that will affect the playoff in 2023. And within that, Shahan and I had a long discussion about whether I had seen a tweet from somebody that Alabama and Ohio State wasted Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud the last two years because they didn't win a national championship with them. And we had a long discussion about whether that phrasing is applicable or not. And then I will say on the list of we each did the five biggest moves this offseason that affect the playoff, one of my honorable mention moves is Luke Whipler going to the NFL that I thought that was like an under-the-radar add that, and it just makes Ohio State's path like a scooch bit harder. By the way, Sam Hartman as the quarterback at Notre Dame also came up on that podcast. So if you want to go listen to that, we invite you to do that. You have to subscribe for Apple Podcasts. There's also a free college football survivor show every week where we're going to be talking about postseason Heisman. But C.J. Stroud have won the postseason Heisman if they move the stinking Heisman to where it should be, which is at the end of the actual season. We'll talk about that later this week on the College Football Survivor Show. But for now here on this pod... For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.